This is Ress, and this is The Overlooked. Today we're going to talk about the disappearance of Tavis Sutton. Tavis Sutton was born February 10th, 1993. He is a black male who was born in Atlanta, Georgia. Now, Tavis was placed into foster care within a few weeks of his birth. It is reported that his mother was struggling with her mental health around this time, and the facts had already taken away her parental rights of three other children. On March 6, 1993, Tavis was at Grady Memorial Hospital recovering from a minor surgery to remove an abscess. On the morning between 6.45 a.m. and 7 a.m., Tavis was abducted from his hospital suite and has not been seen since. Now, it appears that Tavis was placed in defects care, but not immediately following his birth. According to a Medium article, it wasn't until a family member reported that there was cause for concern, and that's when DFAC stepped in. Now, on the day that Tavis was abducted, he was actually recuperating in a semi-private hospital room with one other infant. Now, this other infant had family that was present with them during their stay. Nurses checked on each infant every 15 minutes, and there was nothing suspicious going on in that room throughout the night and throughout that early morning. At 6.45 a.m., a nurse came to check on both babies, and it appears she checked on the other child. He was fine. She noted that that child's mother and sister had fell asleep on the couch in the room, but when the nurse came back to check on Tavis 15 minutes later, she became alarmed because she could not find him. Now, of course, she began to check with other staff members, but once it became clear that Tavis was nowhere on a pediatric unit, the police were called. Now, his foster parents were also alerted, and they rushed to the hospital alongside the police. Now, because Tavis was in defect care, the suspicion immediately went to Tavis's mother and family. Now, there's not a lot of information on Tavis's family. We know his mother is Wanda Sutton, but we don't really know any information about her or her life. All we know is that one, unfortunately she had her parental rights taken away in regards to his siblings, but we don't know the specific details. But we don't know the specific details in those cases. All we know is that his mother struggled with her mental health. Now, at the time of his abduction, his mother was actually being treated for schizophrenia in a residential institution. So suspicions of her involvement faded pretty quickly. Now, other family members were looked into, but it appears none of his family even knew he was at the hospital. And after all, he was taken into defects care a few weeks after his birth. And the state was looking to terminate his mother's rights. So it's not like they would necessarily be in the know at that point in time. But remember, Tavis did have a roommate in his hospital suite. This roommate had a mother and a sister that stayed in the suite with them throughout the night. And of course, they were looked into by the police as possible suspects. Police investigated them, searched their home, interviewed family members, but they were cleared. So the police turned to the public and asked the public to pay particular attention to anyone who may have suddenly just popped up with a baby out of nowhere, especially people who did not appear pregnant beforehand, or at least didn't tell anybody that they were pregnant beforehand. It was also important for the police to stress that Tavis was in the hospital recuperating from surgery. Now, they stressed this because they wanted him to be returned so he could receive post-surgery care. 
Now, they released it to the public in hopes that this would create a greater sense of urgency. And while tips did come in, there were few. And none of them actually led to anything. On March 12th, a composite sketch of Tavis was released. But again, Tavis was only a few weeks old at this time. Truth is, a lot of newborn babies of his race and his complexion will look very similar to this composite sketch. Now, in that same Medium article, it is noted that 65% of babies stolen in such a fashion are returned to their families within two days. And in fact, 95% were found to be returned within a week of their abduction. However, it became clearer every passing day that this would not be the case with Tavis. So one might wonder, how can a person even get away with stealing a baby and raising them on their own? They're going to need papers for school. They're going to need a social security number. Well, so here's the thing. A person can go into their county clerk's office and say, hey, I had an at-home childbirth. And then just request a birth certificate. Now, police believe the suspect lived within 24 miles of Grady Memorial Hospital. And while it's never indicated why they gave the specific number, I will mention that, look, Grady is in the heart of Atlanta. A 24-mile radius will cover all of the major metro Atlanta cities, such as Decatur, Marietta, Dunwoody, Sandy Springs, Norcross, etc., now, in police eventually, they released two sketches of women. They said that they wanted to question in regards to Tavis's abduction. They were very clever and not calling them suspects and saying, I just want to question them. They may have seen something or heard something at the time, and we just want to get that information. But to be honest, it really seems like they were suspicious of them. At the time, it was smart of the police to say, you know, you're not suspects. We just want to know if you saw or seen anything. But no one ever came forth. And I feel like it's because it became obvious that, yeah, you guys are saying that. But it sounds like you do believe those women are suspects. Now, one of the women wanted for questioning was a young woman, a medium complexion. And she was seen carrying a baby out the hospital around the time of Tavis' disappearance. Now, there was another woman, and she was wanted for questioning as well, and it was because she was seen walking around the same floor that Tavis' suite was around this time as well. As of 2021, neither woman has been identified. Now, it eventually came out that there was also a man who attempted to enter the pediatric unit after 8.30 p.m. the night before Tavis disappeared. This man was described as being very agitated, and it's said that he had no reason to actually be there. So visitors to the hospital, they're given special passes that authorize them to be in certain wings of the hospital. This man did not have a pass to be in the pediatric wing. He was described as being a tall, slim male wearing a baseball cap. And he managed to disappear before security was ever able to get to him. So not much is known about him. He's never been identified. And while, yes, this sounds a bit suspicious, you have to know 
a little history about this hospital, a little bit about this area. Now, Grady Hospital, it's kind of known as a hub for a lot of people in the city who are homeless or who have mental health diagnoses. I mean, even right now in the present day, it's not unusual for people to be in the middle of psychosis and walk into Grady on their own, be dropped off by friends, family members, or even the police. There used to actually be something called the Grady card, and this was an in-house insurance card. It wasn't uncommon for people who were frequent visitors to psychiatric wards, psychiatric treatment centers, or homeless shelters to go into these places, get case managers who eventually at some point signed them up for a Grady card. People in the city knew that they can go to Grady for care, to get medication, sometimes just to go in and ramble off to staff. So it's very possible that this man was just a stranger who wandered into Grady because he always wandered into Grady. And it very well could have been that he was in an abnormal mental state. And that would explain his agitation, possibly. All of this while having absolutely nothing to do with Tavis's disappearance. Now, I am leaning more towards the theory that he had nothing to do with Tavis' disappearance. I mean, one, this was 8.30 the night before. There's no known sightings of him that morning. And again, Tavis was seen up until 6.45. Also, I'm very familiar with Grady Hospital. I'm very familiar with that area. And it's not uncommon for people who aren't in care, don't have family in care, to just wander into the hospital. This is not out the norm. It's actually... Not even really suspicious. This is a normal part of Grady operations, unfortunately. At the time of the disappearance, police and FBI put out a $10,000 reward for any information that would lead to the location of Tavis. The case was considered cold within five years. It remains a cold case today. Now, there are three composite sketches you will find online for Tavis. One is of Tavis as an infant, one is of him around age four or five, and one is supposed to be him as a teenager. But I really want to stress that we have to remember Tavis was only a few weeks old when he disappeared. There is no telling what he actually looks like now. Now the sketch artist, he used photos of his siblings to try to create the best sketch that he could. But the thing is, Genetics are really funny, and there's no telling how he actually turned out. I mean, how many of us have seen siblings that look nothing alike? You might have one sibling that looks like dad, one sibling that looks like mom, and one sibling that looks like great aunt Sandra for whatever reason. There's also no mention if the siblings have the same father. Now, this is important information because that definitely can skew the results of how these sketches turned out. And I just want to mention this because I have seen in some of the forums people holding very tightly to the composite sketches to determine if they want to match Tavis with a bandeau or to say, you know, ow, I've seen someone with this look and they look kind of familiar, but I just want to stress, to be honest, we have no idea if he looks like that composite sketch whatsoever. I mean, honestly, Tavis was abducted 
when he was only a couple weeks old. When a child is only a couple weeks old to like five months, they can look like a completely different baby because features aren't really flushed out at one month, two months, eh, even three months. time of his disappearance, Tavis had a quarter inch surgical excision on his left bottom, on his left buttock. He was last seen wearing a white flower print t-shirt and a Grady Memorial Hospital tag around his wrist and around his ankle. Unfortunately, that's really the only concrete details we have of what Tavis looked like during the time he disappeared. All we really have is what he was wearing. And obviously, his abductor would get rid of that. It just seems like common sense to take away the Grady tags when there's coverage all over the news of this missing baby or to change the baby shirt. Now, Tevis' mother, Wanda, did go on to sue Grady Hospital, and of March of 1995, she received a settlement of $600,000. That is really all the details we have in this case. There's a lot of unknowns. So, let's go ahead and get into the theories. Now, like with most cases of baby abduction, the biggest theory is that Tavis was abducted by a woman who wanted to pass him off as her own child. Authorities believe this may have been a woman who lied about being pregnant and someone who was actually hanging around the hospital for her chance to snatch a baby as her due date came closer and closer. And yes, Tavis wasn't exactly a newborn, but beggars can't be choosers. And it's very likely that if this scenario was a scenario that took place, the kidnapper went with a target that was in her reach. And let's be clear, there's actually no physical evidence of this particular theory, but this was a scenario that police were familiar with in regards to these type of kidnappings, especially at Ray Memorial Hospital. So police were familiar with this theory for a reason, because between 1978 and 1996, seven babies were kidnapped from Grady Hospital. And all of those babies were African-American. Also, there was an eighth baby that was kidnapped after he was taken home by his mother. It is believed that she was followed home from the hospital. Now, as a mother who has personally given birth in an Atlanta hospital, 
This is absolutely terrifying news that I was completely unaware of before I started digging into this case. I mean, just a few years ago, I gave birth to my daughter here in Atlanta, and I never even thought about someone possibly coming into the hospital and taking my child as I slept. In an AJC news article from 2012, they reported that 281 infants had been kidnapped nationwide, 129 being from health care facilities. And yes, of course, nowadays, most hospitals have tags on newborns to alert staff if the baby is being moved or taken past a certain point. I mean, this was certainly the case when I gave birth. However, it makes you wonder, how lax was hospital security up until recent history? Also, why were there so many Grady babies being kidnapped through the 70s and 90s? All of these babies, again, being African-American. This brings a lot of questions to my mind. I mean, was it known that babies could easily be abducted from this hospital? I mean, surely by the time the third or fourth baby was abducted, the hospital would think, hey, we kind of have to get a handle on this. Maybe tighten up security. Let's, let's, let's do something, because this is a lot of missing babies. Also, why are all the babies African-American? I mean, was it a thought or even a fact? that black children weren't watched as closely. Another question that I really think about when it comes to this case is was staff really doing those 15 minute checks? And look, I ask this because I have worked in social services. I have friends that work in healthcare right now. And well, unfortunately, it's not unheard of for staff to simply mark off checked when they did not do a check at all, especially during the hours where there's not a lot of activity. As a young adult, I actually once had a job that required us to check on children as they were sneaking out of room. Now, we were checking mostly to make sure no one had snuck out the room or snuck anybody in the room. However, there was an incident all the staff members were aware of where there was a staff member who was an overnight staff member. The staff member fell asleep and a child came out their room to go to the bathroom or something like that. And they saw that the staff member was asleep. The child actually did a couple things to see if the adult was really asleep. Waved her hand in front of her, tiptoe coming next to her. And we know this because at the time we actually had video surveillance, so this was something that was seen. But when they realized that the staff member was asleep, went back to their room, they got a couple things, and they snuck out. Now, of course, when the agency checked notes, the staff member wrote that they did their routine checks at the required times. And again, honestly, this is not unheard of. It's not unheard of for day staff, but it's definitely not unheard of for overnight staff to fall asleep at times and wake up, mark that they checked their shifts and they did all of their checks and then clock out. 
Now, the second theory that you'll find is that people wonder if staff was involved in the facilitation of some of these kidnappings. I mean, eight babies in 20 years is a lot in context to the topic. However, it appears that six of those babies were found and they were all abducted by different kidnappers. Which goes back to my question, was staff really paying attention? Was this really more of an era of negligence? Now, the hope is that we're now in 2021. DNA testing has come a long way. And honestly, there's many people hoping that Taps got curious and went on one of these ancestry DNA websites and submitted his DNA. Maybe he wanted to find out if his ancestors were from Nigeria, if they were from South Africa. Maybe he wanted to see if he was related to Martin Luther King, for all we know. But the hope is that Maybe he'll one day get on one of these sites, or maybe through other means, we'll come across his DNA. Look, right now, we're seeing a lot of old cases being solved through DNA advancements. I mean, there have been a lot of perpetrators being caught through means of gene and ancestry sites. Oftentimes, they aren't even the ones that submit their DNA. It's often DNA that's submitted by another family member that puts perpetrators on the radar for detectives. What usually happens is detectives upload DNA samples from a former case and see if they can find any matches from anyone with any familiar DNA to the sample that they have sitting at the station. Now, the Golden State Killer, for example, comes to mind. He was found after police uploaded his DNA to an ancestry DNA site and found familiar DNA, which showed that the DNA that they had sitting at the station was related to this one particular grandparent. And from there, they were able to scale down and it led, and it led to the arrest of Joseph James D'Angelo. So again, the hope is maybe Tavis is out there and he's curious like many of us maybe a dna match will come about and he'll match with a sibling or a cousin or aunt i mean surely most of us if we got a match of some sort of ancestry site showing that we have 50 60 80 percent familiar dna to someone we have never met i think for most of us that would strike our interest and we would start investigating right one can hope. As of now, most people actually believe Tavis is probably still alive and was likely well taken care of in his childhood by his abductor. This would not be the first time something like this happened. Usually in cases where abductors take a child to raise as their own, they usually raise a child pretty well. And I don't say that to sympathize at all with the abductor. I say that to say there is hope that he did go on to have a, a good life. It's just a matter of reuniting him with his family and discovering what the truth is regarding his disappearance. 
we hope we're able to confirm these theories and these thoughts. And not for the sake of being a crime junkie, just being curious, but for a family who still doesn't know where their loved one is and what was it there. His loved ones actually never even really got a chance to know him because he was so young when he was kidnapped. I really do hope we can reunite Tavis with his loved ones so everyone, including Tavis, can know the truth about what happened to him. Now, before I go, I do want to do a special shout out to individuals on Reddit and Web Sleuths. Um, all the time when I'm doing a case, I make sure I look up the cases also on Reddit, also on Web Sleuths, because in these forums, there are lots of people, one, that have lots of great theories, two, that have lots of article links saved, and especially when we're looking at cases that are more than 10 years old, it's hard sometimes to find some of these articles. They don't pull up in a simple Google search. Uh, some of these article links are broken, but people have screenshots or people have comment and react what this story says. And I just really, truly appreciate these communities. Yes, there are some bad apples in these communities. I acknowledge that. But when it comes to the true crime, missing person section of these communities, you really do see a lot of people with their heart in the right place, truly wanting to help solve this case, wanting to help reunite families, wanting to help families get answers. I mean, I've talked about this before. On both forums, you'll find that people are actually sitting down with cases, looking at the details of cases, studying people's pictures, and submitting their names to Doe cases in different counties, different cities. Because the truth of the matter is, when police come across the remains of someone and they can identify this person, it's hard for them to even think of names to try to match if there are no missing people in their county. Unfortunately, there are a lot more missing people than most people know. If you head over to the Charlie's Project website, you can find chronologically or you can find by decade that there are hundreds of people missing. And that site doesn't even have all of them because there's so many people missing that weren't even reported missing. So I do want to do a special thank you to those communities because um, not only do they help me a lot with a lot of my cases, um, there's several times I'm looking for information and I have so few articles that pop up, so few videos and documentaries or anything like that that pops up and I'm able to go to these forums and find old links, find links that were broken, that were quoted, and so forth. Find people who are from that area that can what the rumors were and what they heard from their grandma who was there at the time. I really appreciate it, but also for the families because they work really hard to try to get these families closure. Now, if you are curious what threads, what links, what articles I'm talking about, head over to the website, theoverlookedpodcast.com and click on blog. I am uploading every week more blogs, more blog posts on 
older cases I've done and every case that I do when you hear that's new when you hear that episode Sunday morning it is posted on the blog as well you can head over to the website and click on blogs and I have in there every article that I have used and I am putting in the reddit threads that I also use the website forms I also use and you can go to those threads and read the comments yourself and stumble across some of the theories yourself unfortunately I can't put everyone in there I put the ones that I see most prevalent I put the ones in there that makes the most sense um and so you can definitely go to the blog find those things yourself and explore as much as you want again the website's theoverlookedpodcast.com now if you think you have any information about the disappearance of tabs or if around this time you remember seeing someone come home with a baby and thinking when was she pregnant they just kind of popped up with a kid i don't even remember or maybe someone was pregnant and then it seemed like she disappeared for a time when she came back she just had a baby and maybe it looked like she was pregnant because oftentimes a lot of times these abductors they also fake their pregnancy in various means sometimes stuffing their shirt sometimes simply weight gain so even if you're someone you're like no i mean she was pregnant but there was some oddness about her pregnancy none of her details matched up none of that information really made sense at 404-546-5602 i of course will have that information posted on instagram and i will also have that information posted on blog now if you want the case number for this case the agency case number is 309-C2-377. Now, as always, guys, be safe, be vigilant, and I will have a new episode next Sunday. If that's the case and you are in the Georgia area or surrounding states, I ask that you please reach out to the Atlanta Police Department. Thank you.